Um, there's one other thing. It, we, um, we uh, uh, before we get into First Peter, which is actually this morning, I think, um, a very timely message given the state of the world we're in. Um, a month ago, a month ago, it would have been fair for you to say, man, we live in perhaps the most uncertain time of my life. And now today, it's almost like, I, I, it's, it's, it's probably, it's like unbelievable is the word that comes to mind. And in the literal sense, like it is hard to believe what is currently happening. And, and right with the invasion of Ukraine and, and specifically what, what feels like, what feels like, like you don't, we don't even like thinking about this, but it feels like, like the world is on the brink of war potentially. Is that, can, is that even, is that even possible in our, like in 2022 to think, yeah, another world war could be in our sight. Like that, it seems so unfathomable. Yet, yet here we are. And, and World War II started the same way that this is with the invasion of a country. Whoa. In fact, the similarities are striking. And, 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 and what we see is like, whatever, however uncertain the world was, like right now, it is then like, it's like upped it even more. And it's impossible to predict, you know, in uh, what's going to happen in six months, let alone six days, right? To try and think about what, what the future holds. Can any of us even predict the news cycle, what it will be in six months or six weeks or tomorrow? And, and so before we even get into this, it, 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 it would seem appropriate for us to... It, to say um, there's not much we can do with regard to like, like we can't go to Ukraine. Like none of us can go and like help give aid or, or, or like assistance. Like it's just, the country right, right now is, uh, is locked down like you can't, right? But if we are serious about our faith and we, listen, if we really do believe that God listens to our prayers, then we can certainly be praying, Right? And we can be praying that God would move on behalf of, of the people of Ukraine, but also the world. And, and, and you and I, again, we can't go there and, and help and be like physically with our presence. Um, but we know the one, listen, we know the one who can send angels, spiritual beings. Now, I don't know what you believe about the spirit world, but like it's real. And, and, and the Bible talks about these angelic beings and, and it even talks about them being involved in human wars. And so you and I, we can actually be praying, God, will you send like spiritual help? It seems more than appropriate than, than for us to say, you know what, let's just pause. Let's just pause what we do on a Sunday morning and say, let's pray. So can we do that? As a, as a church who believes in prayer, who wants to be a praying church, who wants to be people who pray and care about our world and the lives of, of those who are, who, are, uh, who are in dire situations, um, let's pray. So let's pray. We're going to do it right now. For, we're going to be praying for two things. All of us. We're all going to be praying. It doesn't, your age is irrelevant. We're all going to be praying. We're going to pray for two things. First, God, will you protect the people of Ukraine who, who a month ago were just living their lives? And now their families are split up. You know, you see dads putting their kids and their wives, you know, on trains and buses to leave, but, but they're not allowed to leave. They got to stay and fight. And, and we see, you know, a, a, like the government literally handing out weapons to anyone who is willing to take them to defend their, the land. Like, okay, God, will you protect 
people and, and men and women and children. I mean, it is like, it's, it's the little definition of a war zone. All right, God, will you protect people? And, and number two, and this is, this is a big one. God, we pray for peace and we pray, we pray that there would be peace in the hearts of, of people, the men and women who want war. And specifically, we're gonna pray for Putin. Listen, God, God, God did a work in the life of this guy named Saul who became Paul, a guy who was killing Christians and then became one. Is there any reason to think that God can't get a hold of this man's heart and change, change his, his thinking and, and direction of that he's going? So, all right, Lord, our big prayer. We pray, we pray that you would intervene and interact in, 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 the, in the heart of the Russian president himself. So, we're gonna spend the next, I don't know, minute or so collectively all of us just praying out loud praying if you're if you're here with a uh with someone you know a friend a, a relative a spouse whatever maybe hold a hand or what we're just going to be praying all right so um uh without any further ado let's pray go ahead So uh, let me close. So Lord, we lift up, we lift up Ukraine. We lift up the lives of those who are in danger and, and the family of, the li- of, of the, the, those who've already lost their lives. And um, war is always terrible. And so God, we pray for protection for Ukraine right now. We pray, we do pray that you would move in the heart um, of Russia and um, and those who would uh, those who would invade and attack and, and specifically in the heart of Putin and we pray for peace that peace peace would prevail. Well, that's a big ask, Lord, and it and it I mean it almost seems like how could this happen? But uh, we know that this was no surprise to you, and so we ask that you would move. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who loves and a God who changes hearts. And so we pray that you would move in this situation and provide peace and protection in Jesus' name. All right, now, listen. We prayed one time. You're not off the hook. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So here's what I'm going to ask, that all of us, anytime you hear the word Ukraine, you're scrolling on your feed, you see a video or a flag or a, something about a, a you know, news article, something, that is, your, that is officially your trigger now to say, all right, I'm going to pray right now. Even if it's five seconds, ten seconds, I'm scrolling, I see, you see a thing, oh, God, will you, okay, Lord, right now, will you protect people of Ukraine like like for us as a as a people who believe in a God who does miracles and does and changes things and and intervenes in people's lives we're going to ask him to do that and we're going to do so continually can we do that right all right good uh 
We, I, you, you didn't notice when you came in, we put trackers on your phone. We'll know when you're scrolling <laughs> if you stop the scroll or not. We'll know. So, uh, but seriously, let's be, we, as a people called to pray, we are going to be a praying church. So this morning we're talking, we're looking at First uh, Peter chapter 1, the second half. And, and you know, when we, when we, uh, we, we, uh, we kind of pray through and think about what we're going to talk about, you know, months in advance, we're actually a year planned out in advance with regard to the sermon series. And so a while ago, we started talking about doing First um, Peter and what that will look like and, you know, a hope in a hostile world like, okay, yeah, and never in our wildest imagination would we think in the middle of this series talking about a hostile world that it would literally go to war. Like, like the world we, would become even more hostile of a place. And so Peter is going um, to speak to us this morning through, through his letter that, that, that is just as relevant today as it was a couple thousand years ago and he's going to talk about hope and how we have hope in the midst of hostility and and um, in the midst of uncertainty and here's what we're going to see there's going to be four areas that we can we can grow as christians specifically in this area and um and 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 all of four of these areas like like when, when Peter writes this, he isn't writing like you or I will. Like when we think about, well, hope. Like when we think of hope, I hope things get better. Or I have a hope that tomorrow will be better today. He doesn't, think, he doesn't write like that. He's actually going to present four areas that all point to the future. He's actually not talking about even right here and now. He's saying, listen, here's, how, here's, here's the secret to hope. And this is the, the secret like to all hope that you could ever have. Hope looks to the future. That's, that's how it gets its strength. And so he's going to bring up four areas that we can grow as Christians and all point to the future. And, and, um, and, and we're not good at this. Like we're, you and I, and like just society, our culture in general, we're great. We are so good at the here and now. We are not very good at thinking about the next, right? And, and, and like, so for us, um, do you guys remember this? When Amazon started doing uh, free shipping and it was like, whoa. And it was like five to seven days, and you're like, this is awesome. This changes my life. Now you think of five to seven day shipping, you're like, I'll buy it somewhere else. That is not fast enough. <laughs> right? So they went to two-day, two-day prime, and you're going, I, how are they doing this? I, I don't know. This is, I, I can't understand how they can get it to me in, in two days. This is incredible. Sometimes even sooner, this is incredible. Right? Two-day shipping. Now it's like ex, ex, we just expect it. So then they move to, all right, you know, it's not fast enough. Let's do two-hour shipping. Deal. All right. If you're in a big city, you can go like two hours shipping. What? And then they started experimenting. They're like, you know what? That's good. It's not fast enough. So they experiment with drones and stuff of like you buy something and within 20 minutes it's like dropped off in your backyard. Like, like here's the deal. We are great at wanting what we want and wanting it now. All right? We are not. We are not good at delayed gratification. <laughs> We're not good. We're, we're good at instant right now. We are not good at thinking about the future. And, and what Peter is going to tell us is that is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is not, I want it now. I want to grow my faith now. Change it now. Do it now. It's, it's actually, hold on, hold on. We need to think about the future. Here's what we could say. So the overarching theme of this morning of what we see in First Peter is this. What you know about the future shapes how you grow today. So a lot of us talk about like, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I want to grow in my understanding. Hey, that's awesome. Here's the key. Ready? You got to know about the future to grow 
today. So all four of these things, Peter is going to tell us about looking forward. So how do we grow today? How do we grow, Lord? Peter, Peter, teach me. Here we go. Here's the first thing we're going to see. As a Christian, you and I, we are to put hope in what's next, not what's now. You and I, we are to put our hope not. Listen, this is, this is I, I think, I hope it will be a paradigm shift for you and it'll help you like think through and understand what when we talk about having a hope in Jesus, like this morning is gonna help bring clarity to what that means. How do, we, how do we hold on to hope in uncertain times? We hold on to a hope that is certain. It's not, it's not based on circumstances. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not based on like, um, you know, um, like how safe your neighborhood is. It's not based on, on, uh, on power struggles or geopolitical conflicts. It's not based on any of that. This hope that we have is based on something totally different and is different than what you might think. Here's what he says. Chapter 1, verse 13. He says, Therefore, with minds that are, that are alert and, and fully sober, and this fully sober language is like fully self-controlled and, and, and alert. So this, this idea of, of like, my mind is engaged in this. This isn't just like happening, but, but I, am, I am alert and self-disciplined and I'm training and I'm, I'm like transforming by the renewing of my mind. Okay, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope. Okay, all right, Peter, tell us. Hope, hope set our hope in what? Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Did, 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 you, did, you see, did you see how this is a little bit like different than what we think? This hope that he says we're supposed to have is about the grace we're, we're, we're going to have. Did you catch that? He doesn't say focus right now on your situation or the goodness of God. Here's what he says. Put your hope on the grace you will one day receive. You don't have it right now. Now listen, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm a follower, I've devoted my life, I'm in, right? I'm what the Bible calls a Christian. Awesome, that's great. And you have experienced grace and God's grace and goodness and, you've, and, and wonderful, that's great. But ready for this? You don't have all of it yet. In fact, what we're told is there's more in the future and, and you're gonna get it. He says, specifically, when Jesus comes, like when Jesus is revealed at his coming, we're gonna get more grace. And here's what he's talking about, ready? The future he's talking about is when, is when God will officially save us. Now, right now, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you're, you're what the Bible calls saved or experiencing salvation. But, but listen, you haven't, you don't have it yet. Now, I wanna be clear here because some of you are going like, wait, what did you just say? What do you mean I'm not saved? No, no, you're, you're saved, of course. But when we talk about this, what we're saying is you will one day be saved. The salvation actually happens when Jesus comes and he actually takes you in and he says, come, my good and faithful servant. Now enter the kingdom prepared for you. Now you actually experience the promised salvation that, that you're given now that we look forward to, but we, haven't, we don't have it yet. 
In, in theology, this is, uh, there's a big word, you don't need to know this, but it, it's called inaugurated eschatology. And here's what it means, that it, it's already, but not yet. It's already here, we're experiencing the benefits of salvation, but it is, what they say is, not yet in full. So it's, it's here in part, but not yet in full. And one day it will be in full and we get new bodies and the whole thing. And Paul talks about the perishable being made imperishable. And then we experience the goodness of God and it's like, now we got it. And he says, look forward to that day. Put your hope not in the right here and now, but the what's coming. Because what's coming, oh, it is gonna be so good. Hope is about knowing what's next, not what's now. God has even more grace for us. And this requires us that, uh, to have a, a constant reminder of this. Of this. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a changing a, our way of thinking. That, that when life gets hard, when circumstances around us, when the world looks hostile, we instead look to the future and say, hold on, no, this is the moment where I, I'm, I can't be reminded that this is everything. In fact, everything is future and it's coming and the grace is yet to come. All right, God, I put my hope in that. Not, not the here and now, in what's next. Um, the second thing, we put our hope in what's next, not, not what's now. We, we don't know what is gonna happen now, but we do know that in the end, God wins. So we put our hope in what's next, not what's now. And then he's gonna tell us as a Christian, like, this, is, this is terrible news. It's terrible, you guys. Pursue holiness over happiness. Oh, come on, Peter. But I, I, I love, I'm so happy when I'm happy. <laughs> I'm so, I love pursuing happiness. I'm good at it. And you're good at it. We're like, we, in fact, a lot of people would say the point of life is to be happy. Is to experience true, like, happiness for you. You do whatever it takes for you to find happiness. And what we're gonna hear from Peter is not that. He's gonna, again, point to our past as a way of, of walking into our future. Here's what he says. As obedient children, as followers of God, people who've chosen to follow him, do not conform. Do not do this. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you didn't have Jesus. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Then he quotes scripture, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Wait, God said that. It's not, that's not a typo, is it? Does God really tell us to be holy like he is holy? How do you even do that? And by the way, God, like when we say God is holy, um, he is. And so when he says be holy like I am holy, how? How do I? Well, I like. Tell me how to start. Like, what do I do? I feel like as soon as I wake up, I am now going to do something wrong. Like, do I? I could just sleep a lot. I <laughs> just be unconscious. How do I do this? You see, Peter. Peter says when you live with, when you lived without Jesus, he, as he says in ignorance, that you actually pursued something that was no different than the rest of the world. Your life was no different. You wanted your own stuff. He calls them your, the evil desires. Paul would use the language selfish ambition, that, that it was all about like what you wanted. And he says, this is wrong. And, and, and 
even though like, like all of us pursue happiness and, and happiness isn't wrong, like please don't leave here and go like, oh man, okay, I guess anytime I'm happy, I'm supposed to like, I'm supposed to curse God because like, I'm not supposed to be happy. The pastor said, no, 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 no. You and I, we should enjoy happiness. God wants us to experience happiness. But the problem is when we pursue happiness above all else, that my happiness, my happiness is the most important thing in this world. Even if it, it, to the exclusion of your happiness, like I don't care about you. I want to, as long as I'm happy, as long as I'm doing what makes me happy. And it sounds wonderful. It sounds altruistic. It sounds, um, it sounds philosophical and spiritual. It's terrible. The pursuit of happiness above all things creates all kinds of problems. It ruins lives. Just think about, uh, think about the most selfish people you know, all right? Hopefully they're not like sitting next to you. But think about the most selfish people you've known or ever come across um, and, and maybe in your life or maybe even just like, uh, you know, politically or, uh, or um, this is a great one, or like celebrities, like they're really super awesome and worth following and dedicating your life to being like. Um, yeah, like think of, think of the most selfish person you can think of, right? And then ask yourself this question. I want... I wonder, has any of their selfishness caused any problems in their lives? In fact, we could say this, that, 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 that selfishness actually can ruin lives. That pursuing what I want to make me happy at the cost of an exclusion of everything else can ruin my life and those around me. And some of us are even products of someone else maybe neglecting us because there was something else that made them happy. And, and we've experienced, we know this. And what Peter says is, look, don't do that. Like this, this, the, these evil desires you have when you live in ignorance, don't conform to them anymore. Instead, pursue holiness. Now, um, I, I didn't grow up a Christian. I spent uh, you know, a number of years, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So when I became a Christian, um, it was all new. And, and, and if I'm honest, like this word, holiness, this is a pretty churchy word. Like you and I, if you've been around church a while and you know, you've been reading the Bible or hearing people give sermons, like, like you've heard holy or holiness before and it's like, okay, sure, all right. Maybe it's not quite clear as to what it is, but like, all right, you get some familiarity with it. Like for me, all I knew was, was well, to be holier than thou is a bad thing. So I, I don't think I want to be holy. Like this idea of holiness is like judgmental. And outside of that, I have no idea what it means. And so when we, when, we, when we approach words like this, like it needs some, some definition for us. And, and so in the scriptures, in, in, uh, in Hebrew and in Greek, the word holy um, literally means set apart or like placed in a different spot or like cut out. In layman's terms, it means like, like sanctified is a word we use um, uh, or sacred or different. That this thing, whatever it is, is different and set apart than this thing. It is, it is holy. And so what, what Peter is saying is when, when God says like, be holy because I'm holy, he says, hey, listen, here's what I want you to be. Ready? I want you to be different than the rest of the world. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be like, your, your life should be this. The rest of the world is this. I want you to have some separation between the ways of the world and the evil desires of, of, the, of your past life. I want you to instead be like this. Oh, Okay. All right. I mean, I, I can't get this right every time, but like, 
this, I can make some movement toward this. I can pursue holiness, absolutely. It's a high bar, one that we can't achieve yet. But one day when the grace comes, when the grace of, like when we experience all the goodness, like we'll get to that spot where we are fully set apart. But, but we can, we can, ta- we can start, start taking some steps down that journey even right now to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue holiness personal holiness and, and doing, doing what we could say, doing what is right. Peter is saying this, if we were to put it in like a cute little memorable like phrase, Peter is saying, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to do what you know is right, not what you feel is right. Don't trust your feelings. You, you gotta know through the scriptures, he's gonna talk about this in a second, that that I need to do what it says. I need to follow and obey what God has for me, not what I feel like I should be doing right now. Pursuing holiness, not happiness, means doing what, what you know to be right, not what feels right. So how do I do this? Well, Peter is so glad you asked. <laughs> Here's what he's gonna say. The next thing, as a Christian, he tells us to live knowing that you are only Visiting. This, is, this theme of living in light of the future continues, and, and Peter wants to give us a big picture, and this isn't the only time in Scripture it comes up. Paul talks about this. Um, Hebrews talks about this as living as strangers and foreigners, and, and this world is not our home. And, and, and Peter, he brings the same theme up. Here's what he says. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work Impartially, Okay, Peter, that's a little uncomfortable. Yes, but it's true. What do you mean? What do you mean God's going to... Yes, God is going to judge each person's work without favoritism. It's not like you get special treatment because, you know, like you're better than everyone else, even though, you know, you might be, right? At least, you know, you think you are or you hope you are. He tells us God is going to judge each person's work impartially. You don't get special treatment. And because of that, he says, live out your time as foreigners here. Other translations, um, uh, ESV, I think, says uh, as exiles here on earth. And NASB says, um, your stay, live out your, your stay on earth. How are we to do this, he says? In reverent fear. Here's what Peter is telling us. Your, your life and your stay here is temporary. This, this whole thing, like live as a foreigner, this isn't your home country. You have another country waiting for you. And, and, and as much as we want to call this place home, as much as it, it is like home for us, like I imagine all of us, we probably, you have a, you know, you're gonna go home to a roof over your head somewhere, whether you own or rent or condo or you live with someone, you have a home, right? You have a place, it's like this is my home. And it's, and it's hard not to think of this as like, no, this is mine. If you own your home, like, I own this. Or maybe the bank does, and you pay them, and they own you until you can pay it off, and then finally you can own that dirt, right? All of this. You're living, you know, for years, years of your life, and hundreds of thousands of dollars for some dirt and some wood, but it's my dirt and wood, right? And it's hard to think like, no, 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 even that is temporary, and we're called to live as, as just visitors here. And we're supposed to do so in, he says, in reverent fear and this awe of God and this, this sense of like, 
like, who am I to, to claim or to tell God what to do? Like, I should, like, there's a level of fear when we talk about God that we should, a healthy amount of fear that we should have. Now, listen, this does not sell. If you're going to start a religion, you want to get a lot of people, you don't do so by saying, hey, you should have some fear here. This is like, whoa, wait a minute, right? If you're going to start a faith, you just want all the people to come. It's like, hey, hey just, just come on over here. We're like, we, you know, everything's free. We got, we got unlimited coffee and, and like, awesome. Now, we also have unlimited coffee. Um, so, you know, help yourself. But, but here's, here's what he's saying. While you live on earth, there should be a level of fear you have towards God that is healthy and good because it, it, it makes you want to do what is right, not what feels right, and say, all right, God is so much bigger and greater than I. Who am I? Who am I to disobey him? For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed or ransomed. It wasn't like, like you bought your salvation. It wasn't through your stuff. Instead, He's going to tell us. He says, it wasn't you were redeemed from the, the empty way of life, and I love this, handed down from your ancestors. Like, like this idea of just living for yourself has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and it came to you, and he said, that's all, it's all empty. The, this pursuit of, of complete happiness, he says, is, is actually empty. It wasn't with gold and silver that you were redeemed from that way of life but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect it isn't it isn't the bank account that saves you it isn't safety that saves you it isn't your character that saves you it isn't like be a good enough person and this was hard for me when I when I started going to church and started trying to like figure things out and and like all right I'm gonna start reading my Bible and I'm gonna you know listen to uh, sermons and and like just really really dig in it was really hard for me to, to think about like wait so I'm not supposed to be a good person that is, what do you hold on wait I thought the whole point I thought the whole point was to make yourself better to become a, a better person well well yeah that's a byproduct but that's not the goal here you don't go to church to become a good person I mean, some, maybe you do, maybe you have, but like that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not why we're here. We aren't saved by ourselves to be like, I'm just gonna be really, I'm just gonna be really, really good. I'm gonna be so good that like God will have to let me in. And, and that's, that's the response a lot of people have of like why, like, why should God let you into heaven? Like, why should you get in? Assuming there's a God, assuming there's a heaven, you meet him one day, right? Uh, what, what are you gonna say? What, how, why should he let you in? Well, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a good person. I, I, I've done way more good than bad. Um, I've, uh, and then this always comes up. I, I, this is my favorite of mine. I've never killed anyone, right? Like, oh, that's, that's good on you, right? And then I always say, yet. <laughs> but like, that's, the, that's the, like, the entrance exam is like, well, I haven't murdered a person. Oh, shoot, we have missed it. If that's the, if the goal is just simply don't do bad stuff and we think we're gonna get in, that's not the case here. That's this empty way of life. And he says, it is only with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish and defect. It's only through Jesus. There's no other option here. There's no like, just make yourself better and, and God will accept you and, and let you in. No, no, no. It's only through Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing added. Only Jesus. 
Now he's going to tell us about this Jesus. He was he, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, before he was born, before he went into ministry, before all of that, before, before any people were in, in existence. God chose Jesus would take this path. He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. From the very beginning, God's plan, this is what we call the gospel, God's plan was that Jesus would come to save us. From the beginning, this was the plan. That Jesus would, would, would die on the cross to take our penalty, to take our place, to pay the, the ransom we could not afford. We, like, there's no amount of debt. Like, we can't get out of this, this debt we've accrued through sin. And, and only through the perfect sacrifice, a perfect payment, could this be made. And so Jesus comes and he does that for us. And then what we see is that God raises him from the dead. He conquers death to prove this isn't just a guy. This is, this is God himself who raises from the dead and then is glorified, gets to sit by God and like at his right hand and now has authority and dominion. And he says, all right, now here's the deal. I did everything. I paid, I paid in my blood to purchase you and I rose from the dead to conquer and defeat death where death is your sting, right? And, and now I, his, he, I sit here with all authority and I want you, there, here's the deal. I want you to be with me. All right, Jesus, what do I gotta do? How much is it gonna cost me? Well, here's the good news. It's not gonna cost you a penny, but it is gonna cost you everything. It's not finances I'm after. Here's what I want, ready? I just want you to follow me. Can you do that? Okay, but, the, but then what? No, 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 you don't understand. I just want you to follow me. Can you be one of my followers? Yeah, yeah, and then what? Oh, no, no, that, that and then what? It's gonna last you a lifetime. It's going to be a lifetime of following and, and, and growing under me. But here's what I want. I want you to say yes to me. This is what we call the gospel. That Jesus died in our place. And it's because of the gospel that we can have faith and hope in God. And look towards the future. And what should this result in? Peter could end here and it is like, man, you are, you are, you are preaching some theological, like some some deep theological sermons and, and like, all right, Peter, this is great. He doesn't end here though. The result of all of this, he's gonna tell us that as a Christian, we are to love others above all else. None of this should, should make us feel proud or like get us to a sense of, of pride where it's like, well, I'm, I'm so glad we're so much better than them. I'm so glad that I'm like this and not like that. Jesus addressed people like that. They were called Pharisees. It didn't go well for them. <laughs> the goal of this isn't that we think that like we're somehow better than. The goal ultimately is to love and love in such a way that like the rest of the world hasn't experienced this kind of love before. Sure, sure people know love and we understand love. Everyone understands love. You don't need to be a Christian to know love, but there's a certain kind of love that you can't, experience or understand until you've chosen to follow Jesus. Like there's, a, there's an everlasting love that, that is different. And, and, and even with people, like he says, he's gonna tell us that, that your job now is in response to all of this, in response to all that God has done for you in response to the gospel and Jesus, here's what you do. Ready? You need to love people. 
Here's what he says in verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, by, by becoming a follower of Jesus, and great, you're in. So that you have sincere love for one another, here's my command to you. Love one another deeply from the heart. What Peter tells us is that knowledge isn't the goal. Learning isn't the goal. As much as we want to learn and we want knowledge and, and, and like, like having, having a really good developed theology is not the goal. Having a better theology than the next person is not the goal. Like I, I, if you've been coming here long enough, you, you, hopefully you know like my theology is right and yours is wrong. And if you were on this stage, you would say the same thing. Like, well, no, what I believe is right. And what other people, if they disagree, they're wrong. Like, like all of us have a, have a point where we're like, this is my understanding and, and I'm right. And, and, and other people, maybe they, they're not quite as right. And what, what Peter's saying, like, no, no, that's not the goal here. To say like, my theology is more developed than the other person's. No, no. If that's, if that's what Christianity is, you missed it. The goal, he says, is to love deeply from the heart that all of this when we realize it's by God's grace it's nothing we've earned or done ourselves that, that God's grace is upon us and we're going to experience more grace in the future and so here's how my response ready I just want to love people I want, I want them to experience the same forgiveness that I have and not because not like I'm judgmental or like, or like trying, to, trying to be better than or holier than thou even though it can be interpreted that way it really is like no no I just I want you to experience the, the freedom that I've had like you it's for you too he goes on to say, verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. That you have, what you have now is not going to fade or dissolve or, or go away. And then he says this, this is great. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you, this gospel. You and I, he reminds us, listen, love people because life is short. And, and however long you end up living, ready for this? That is short. In the grand scheme of the history of the world, the amount of years that you are alive is not very much. In the grand scheme of eternity, even if you live to be 100 years old, that's not that long compared to the rest of time and what he says is we're actually like flowers and grass now I, I don't know how much of a garden you are um, uh, I'm not at all but I'm like again I own the dirt or I'm trying to own the dirt so I'm forced to be a good steward I've always like gardening is always funny to me and, and I hope I don't offend anyone because like you garden and you do flowers for everyone else to look at right like you don't ever get to see it yourself like ours is against our house and stuff and so like you're driving by it's like oh that's nice like I don't know I don't see it and here's what we do we like I, we like my wife she, we, she loves the like like make the house look good and the gardening and flowers and stuff and I'm like I don't know you know okay it's green and green and all right let's just I'll, I'll keep it mowed like the lawn is important the lawn's important. Um, and so we do these flowers, and I don't know if you know this, like there's, I guess, um, certain flowers have like bulbs, and then they grow up, and then uh, and they come back every year. But the bulb, I didn't know this until, you know, I got married and was like, I was educated in the ways of the, the flower. And, and like the bulbs multiply, and so like over the course of a year, you're like, you gotta like pull them out because they start like, like, like choking out the other good ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? No? No, okay, yeah. Some of you are like, okay. 
wives, you go home today and have your husbands dig up some bulbs. Um, we would dig up these bulbs, and it's like, I, I know, I know. That two years ago, there was one bulb in there. I planted it. How are there 12? How has this thing become this huge mess? And we got to pull it out and do all this work. It's just like, we got to rip it out. And, we put, and, then, and then put one little one back in. Like, all right, great. All right? And we do all this, and, and you never see it because it's just you cover it all back up. And then what happens? We do all this work. Ready? For six days of flowers. <laughs> right? This thing comes up, and then it's like this, and then it blooms like, oh, it's beautiful. And then, like, literally the next week is like, it's like... <laughs> That was two years, two years of effort and work for this like, oh, wow. It's like, get your pictures right now. And if you're on vacation when it happens, sorry, you missed it. <laughs> and here's what Peter says. We are just like that. We are that. As temporary and as quick as the flower fades, he says, so are we, our lives. And so as long as you are here on earth, live as a foreigner in reverent fear and love people. Because what you know about the future shapes how you grow today. We know the grace to come. We know what is in store for us if we're followers of Jesus. And so we love and we grow today knowing we have hope in that. So for you, how can you put your hope in what's next, not what's now? How can you pursue holiness over happiness? What does it look like for you to live as a foreigner? And, and and knowing that life is short and temporary, how can you love people? Peter has a, a great word for us today, and it ends with love. So for us, what does it look like? When times get tough, when, when circumstances are really hard, when the, when the world becomes much more hostile, both like collectively and personally for you, when, when circumstances just become unbearable, the hope you find isn't the here and now, it's looking to the future. All right, I have a hope that God is who he says he is, and he meant what he said he meant. We're gonna do this. We're gonna um, have a time of communion here in a second, but we're gonna worship the Lord together. So uh, before, before we do, would you do this? Would you stand with me as we worship the Lord? And then um, just have this ready with you. Uh, we'll take this together after we, we sing to the Lord. Um, if you don't have one, you can grab the chair next to you. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll spend some time remembering what Jesus did for us. All right? Well, I'm excited.